Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhang dhammang sanghang namasami So for the community here, we have about another, something like a couple of weeks of this period of retreat, and it ain't over until it o- till it's over, as they say, <laughs> and even when it's over, it ain't over. <laughs> so, you know, we can go through quite a lot of changes in, even in a fairly stable situation like this because of energies and um, abilities to maintain restraint or maintain a sense of interest and um, vigor for practice sometimes you get a bit bored or kind of repetitive patterns of mind you start to feel stuck in this and where's it going to go some things wear out very slowly time doesn't just bang that's it but just you keep you know cultivating from right intent things do do wear down wear out but uh, mostly it's the as far as I can say mostly it's the case it's not just the you know there you are attached and then you give it a good wham and you have an experience and then bonk no no attachment you know it's more like a you know you 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 let go and then it comes back you let go again and it comes back you let go again and it comes back you let go and it comes back perhaps a little more less intensely or not so quickly mm. and the attachment comes back mm. And let go again, and get tired of letting go, and you let go of that. (laughs) And the ideas of yourself, being good at it, not being good at it, being hopeless, being stuck, really zooming along, these are things you you know you see coming up, and. Things that get generated by that. And so conceit is that naming oneself, defining oneself as something, some state, um, not necessarily a positive state, but it's making some statement about yourself as a kind of signed, sealed and delivered, cut and dried, this is what I am statement. It's always not quite so, not quite true. 
How could it be? Mm. But there's a these are not this isn't even intellectual, there's an emotional tendency to to feel um, you know either stuck or held or trapped or um, you know positively one is endowed or something some state or another these are all things that you kind of witness with humility the nature of attachment catching and attachment and the way it happens and experience of it conditioned nature of it and the certainly over time the whole stickiness begins to you know wane there are two kinds of ways you look at attachment as upadana which is mostly related to the um, objects like karma upadana attachment to sense objects so it's like that which one holds or the headings or the that one holds to views opinions statements about oneself and then you might say there's a very substance or called the substrate the very the the element tackiness is called upadi a certain sticky quality that's um, is a kind of raw material that tends to move into something to stick to and uh, it's the wearing out of this upadi is the um, equivalent to the realisation of the deathless or nibbana is the wearing out of this when that tackiness as that tackiness wanes then there's a realisation of the non-tacky the, the stuck the stickless the teflon the unbound uh, and you can probably recognise that actually you know one's whereas attachments come and go and uh kind of, you know they're not kind of permanently attached to a particular thing but we can work through attachments to particular things you know, tastes sounds, sights uh, and then more subtle things such as um, you know, one's territory or one's status you know, how one's regarded by others things of this nature um, one's opinions and views or the wish to have an opinion and view so we may have let go of our opinion about you know particular piece of art or something like that it still is a tendency to have an opinion want to have an opinion even about unopinionatedness Yeah, so is the, both the headings in which these, this energy chart moves out to, and there's the very substance of it, the stickiness of the mind. And, 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 and 
it's only through really recognizing uh, and the both attachment as almost like an impersonal um, condition, something that's conditioned in. You know, it's not some kind of personal thing to feel upset about or um, you know pretend one doesn't have. It's kind of something that's conditioned because otherwise you tend to one if one kind of hides it from oneself then you know you kind of tend to linger in the idea of a self that isn't sticky you know I'm an unstick I'm not I'm an unsticky person or I'm, doesn't have any clinging and that's another kind of self view but the more fully one can bear the um Revealing or seeing oneself the holding on, and the, the clarity that can acknowledge that and see it as conditioned and dependent is the clarity that's free. And it's, dwell, it's dwelling in that. As you dwell in it more, then there's a sense of reassurance that. It can only be learnt, you can't think it, you can't have it induced, you can only learn it that when you let go it's all right. You know, it's not panic doesn't have to happen or the clamping doesn't have to happen, you can be all right. There there's a sense of that that's fine. And part of us knows this on certain areas and part of us doesn't know it. And uh, as we practice we you know, reality of practice is often, uh, as a process, is often finding these bits that, that don't know that it's all right to let go. You know, bits of bits of it does, and I'd like to be with those bits that just happily let go. The bits of it that suddenly seize up and spasm and do all kinds of ungracious things. <laughs> you know. Uh, detachment to you know people's happiness, other people's welfare things of that nature I was just thinking last last week when I wasn't you know, able to give a talk I was quite a bit upset really because I was thinking people come you know miles around uh, for kind of one one meal a week there's a thought of coming you'd like to present something you know even something quite modest but I couldn't really even think straight and uh, and I was remembering as I was reflecting on whether I could possibly come up with something I was remembering seeing this um, little video of the His Holiness and Dalai Lama Going to who was at Color Chakra Empowerment in Bodh Gaya, and so about I think I think it was four hundred thousand people turned up. It was a huge number, huge huge number of people turned up. Some of them, one chap had bowed, done a three you know full length prostrations, all the way from Calm in Tibet. I don't know how many thousand miles that was to Bodh Gaya. 
it wasn't like he's one, you know, like he'd driven an hour or whatever in his car. <laughs> it's taken a number of years to do it. He, you know, worn, worn calluses on his head and from just, you know, bowing so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of times to get to this, this thing. You know, the Dalai Lama wasn't well. And he had to go up there and say, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I can't do this right now, you know. There's all these people would come all this way and they'd just say, you know, I just haven't got it. You come back next year. <laughs> you know, you sort of bow all the way back again. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe just kind of bowing, bow on that spot for a while until we, you know, it might have been better. Think, oh, oh dear! But that's it, it, isn't it? There's this sense of humility that no matter how, you know, lofty or wise or what you are, if your elements, condition elements don't function. That's that's it, really. It all does. It does depend upon having, you know, a throat that works and a brain that works. <laughs> As well as having the compassion and wisdom, it's kind of humbling to see how you know one can rely. Think you know, take those things as self. That they will always be there, and you can just make them happen. And that people's uh, needs can be met. You can meet people's needs, and you can fulfil feelings of moral obligation and feel you know. Uh, and sometimes you just the system just won't allow it that's kind of humbling and uh, mm, one can review something like that and you think well mm, what's this trying to teach me about um, claiming um, responsibility or feeling it's all up to me or something like that You know, so there's elements of of uh, attachment in that well, it's all attachment it's only a mixture you know a lot of good intent but then some degrees of attachment in it mm. so though sometimes I you know as, as find myself in positions of, of parent responsibility <laughs> then I, I more contemplate the sense of helplessness. The more the more I'm seen or consider be responsible, the more I'm aware of how helpless I am, how useless I am in many ways. It's not. I don't mean that in a kind of negative way. Just that I have. It's conditioned one's the ability to actually come up with what's appropriate or what's suitable or sometimes they don't have the medicine that's needed or the thought that's needed or the energy that's needed or the time that's needed. Mm. And uh, I can run around faster and faster and try to cover it all but actually the more truth of the matter is it isn't, you know, it's conditioned, and to trust that 
um, this is what we have to learn and we can learn it we can do it but it's the matter of in the whole domain of practice it's not never to confuse non-attachment with oh who cares doesn't matter shrug it off so what it's all empty it's all worthless but you know, then that's that's not non-attachment. That's called, you know, that's called a lack of hiriotapa, lack of conscience and concern. Mm. As you see, you very easily recognise a difference of intent. So, you know, the intent when it, when it's not not conscience and concern and value, intent is muddy or confused. When there's a recognition of I would love to help and offer and you know present and be free and have no attachments that's what my intent really is um, then in a way I see that, that that very intent is all that one can rely upon and maybe that's all one needs just that intent finally And being prepared to, and having the, the patience and keep coming back to that intent in whatever one does or says or the way one meditates or practices or cultivates what your intent is to let go, to rise up, to, if you like, the, to awaken to purity, to non-attachment, to cessation of suffering, to, you know, wisdom and compassion and what we can do is really up to negotiation so it it reminds us that in terms of of manifestation it's dependent on conditions whether I can have the right brilliant thought is not in itself a statement of whether I'm wise or not mm. and if I do have a brilliant thought it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a liberated being it means maybe I'm just going to read good books <laughs> you know I've got the gift of the gab or something so you can't you know you can't trust or you can't, or you can't rely upon these conditioned forms, these manifestations as inevitable signs of realization or inevitable signs of, of ignorance or of lack or of failure or inadequacy. And it's just these conditions are this way. You know, one is ill, one is this or that or this or that, you know, and it's not happening. But then what is more useful is to just keep coming back to intent this is really what our meditation satipatthana meditation and various practices meditation and not just meditation but also the renunciate determinations we make or the generosity determinations we make or the commitment determinations we make is going to really put in oneself 
on the line you know, clearly to oneself determinations so that you know what intent is whether you actually ever can manifest whether those things will manifest in terms of action or speech or even um, your mental states is not immediately clear it's, it's conditioned but certainly it will be a very uh, primary um, um, asset mm-hmm. quality of right intent because then as you trust it more and you live in accordance with it then what it, it does start to manifest as skillful action and skillful action begins to, to put aside the supportive conditions for hindrances and confusion and dwell upon and understand the supportive actions and um, speech and mental inclinations for enlightenment factors these are conditioned but these if you like this is so often the, the main thing of our practice is what conditions lead to support the enlightenment factors what conditions diminish the hindrances cause them to dwindle and uh, our intent is to really explore this area just to know what intent is it's not so much a doing thing as a as a, a focus a certain inner vow if you like very quality of mind and not so much a doing things but that sense of the intent to awaken to be clear to know to understand suffering and its cessation you kind of remember this recollect this come back to this what is that how do you sense that you know I sense it as a kind of stillness and firmness and uh, spaciousness and a certain resolve and then other intentions or other actions can kind of, you know, tend to move around that so one of the skills in our, our lives is to be able to both know that still point that firmness and also how that can be sensed in within or in relationship with the realm of conditioned arising thoughts, the speech the aims, the ambitions it's kind of how we can sense things that want to make and have and change and fix and solve and make things work and make things better and make people happy and produce good things you know those kind of wishes and and directions like that how can we 
within that acknowledge a still point which says but if it doesn't work that's not the point so this stillness within that isn't dependent upon getting those good results actually the interesting thing is that as well as I experience it the more one is aware of that the greater likelihood is you do get the good results because the mind remains free from fluster and hindrance and then it seems to open the way for the more skillful conditions to come Now to operate within the, or in reference to uh, aims and actions and speech and so forth. You know, and this is this is something to you can develop in retreat by just watching. First of all, the the interests, you know, the sense of what one would like to do or or what would be a good thing to have happen or how you'd like to help someone you know just so just watching the, the thought process coming up now one can feel quite a sense of strong urge in that or in anxiety it might not work or um, you know some considerable alarm if it doesn't you know that it might all go wrong uh, or then you can find yourself kind of trying to stop it all but just within any kind of thought or aim or even emotional push like that just to try to bear it witness it and ask you know what's the core intent within that and even where is it and can you trust that and let the rest of it the strategies and the plans let them be a bit vague I practice like this myself because there's often quite a lot of of possible projects and strategies and things that are generated in in this monastery or in this kind of milieu of things that you know could be good on kind of building things, uh, forest things, uh, people things, events, circumstances. You could help, you could teach, you could write, you could visit so-and-so. There's a lot there of things I could do. I don't know what to do. But I've seen, certainly, you know, living in a forest, my mind go really quite agitated over, um, well, it would be nice if those trees weren't there and these trees were here. And look at those trees and want those little stumps that are only nine inches high to be 150 foot high. They don't budge. You know, I want things not to fall down. They doesn't. They fall and and die. And they need to fall down and die. And so on. You know. And having been with that, so for a while I didn't even like to go in the forest because I just get so kind of agitated over. Oh, it'd be nice if this wasn't here. If we could get rid of those trees, we could have some more trees here, a nice cootie there, and oh, stop it. That it was just, um, 
you know, quite quite difficult. But I've noticed over, over the times of, of sometimes living there and sometimes not living there, sometimes going for a walk there, and also admittedly watching my uh, fellows uh, and contemplatives also get quite wound up about it. And feeling, wow, phew, you know, um, internally and externally, uh, is this a supportive condition for enlightenment? And not even just thinking it, but feeling it, feeling the the the, the pain of of love, in that sense, uh, and having actually have the heart sit in that pain until it starts to kind of let go, not being forced to let go, but it's just to sit in it and feel within it. There's something very beautiful in that. There is the right, in, there is an intent for that which would. You know, support awakening and and you know these things, but you can't tack that in onto some conditioned phenomena and say this and only this and it must be this. So I sometimes think, well, if if I'd never seen this place, would it be all right? Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> you know, so you work with it like that. You see someone suffering, and you feel you, you know that want to help. That's fine, but what if you'd never seen them? Would it would mean they weren't suffering? What if, you know, so you can see someone come to the monastery and they have a lot of difficulties, you know, oh, I'm going to sort it out. What if they hadn't come? Would you feel the same way? No, you wouldn't. Would you? So what makes you feel that that there's something inevitable about you? You're the only one who could could make, you know, could ch- change that or fix that. So this is the um, whole area of, of um, fully compre- clearly comprehending the mind, the nature of attachment, nature of letting go. And there are, it's useful to remember there are four uh, bases for clear comprehension one is purpose so you know what your purpose is this is to do with intent or the the intent in terms of action there's an intent which is just about being present and awakening and there's intention which is particular you know temporary purpose if you know like I'm going to work in order to provide you know, the four requisites so that we will be free from that kind of stress, you know. So it's, you see, you try to line up what you're doing uh, rather than, oh God, another day doing this, that and the other, what a, way, what a waste. But wait a minute, no, this is so that there will be, you know, you have to pay the rent and um, get the requisites together. So you know what your purpose is. 
this is a kind of relative sense of purpose of intent intent within the conditioned realm and then within that you can kind of acknowledge that which knows that purpose is aware of that purpose as conditioned by the situation there's another kind of of intent, intent just to know, to be aware, to be awake, to to react to the conditions that are that are running at this time. This is called the um, comprehension or full awareness in terms of non-delusion. That is, you, you have a right purpose, and the purpose is associated with understanding the need to to get the conditions you know, to, to fit the conditions to what your conditioned existence needs that's why we work in in a, in, a, in the world or in our, in our lives which is to set up supportive conditions sometimes they don't, you don't set them up but that's at least you know what you're doing you're trying to create conditions rather than selves or permanence or states or territories so just recognizing that what one accomplishes or works with on the manifest level is conditioned both gives you a sense of its necessity and a sense of its limitation that is all we can actually do and affect will be conditions and we, our aim is to, to bring around supportive conditions. But that's all there'll be. There'll only be supportive conditions. Mm-hmm. So even when you meditate and you set up the conditions for that, that can only support in itself conditions like um, concentration, um, ease, very valuable conditions, but that's it. That's a, then... It's awakening to the the awareness of that, the awareness of conditioned nature, awareness of conditions. That's that's different. And then you can, because within that you can contemplate whether conditions for uh, samadhi are this, or the conditions for joy are this, or the conditions for ease are not available now because you know one's body is in pain or something else is occurring. So instead of you know making that condition into something that you feel oppressed by, so the condition is not there right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of freedom because it's not there's something wrong with me or I can't do it. The con- so that condition is not available. And so you know you're aware. This is called non-delusion. So for myself, sometimes, you know, on on in this situation, on retreat, and and uh, holding or being held in a particular role and function, then I can recognise that there are conditions that support uh, me stopping thinking, not thinking, 
um, you know, not being anybody, and there are conditions that don't support that. Um, you know, and it's like the awareness of when is the time, or when do I actually uh, recognize or allow, you know, or go with the conditioned realm. So certainly, as, certainly as a retreat, long retreat like this goes on, gradually, you know, more and more stuff builds up of things that need to be thought about or attended to, and you know, planned for. Because we're, you know, so so in two weeks' time we're going to be finishing, so we got this award. And I must admit, I have to my noble and ignoble um, acts of avoidance for a period of time. And eventually, the time comes when I think, no, this is clinging. <laughs> now is the time to attend to these conditions, yeah. but it's only conditions. So now is the time when thinking will take place, when um, you know these are things will take place, when a certain change energy will change into much more uh, active and less still, and so forth. And uh, trying to do that with a sense of some clarity. Mm. Knowing it, and, and just more, I try to work with that rather than jump from one to the other. You know, but actually contemplate the feeling or, or the regret or the eagerness or the sense of urgency that can come with these things and begin to not, you know, add those um, defilements to it. Defilements of resistance or the defilements of panic, defilements of excitement or over-eagerness or the defilement of, you know, um, feeling um, oppressed by it all. Just noticing that my mind can, you know, jump into those difficult places. Or if I stay steady and just listen to the to the uh, requests and listen, look at the bits of paper and mm-hmm, you know don't feel one has to act or react or it shouldn't be here or it, sh- it should be here then it can kind of just be held as that and you know conditioned particular conditions arising and one can stay in touch with the quality of intent You know, particularly with um, things of that nature, you know, plans and stuff like that. There's always uh, one of the one of the um, big delusions that, that makes the mind spin is, oh well, you get onto this, you get, sort this out, and then it'll be over with. You know, just just get, just just get this a bit of time, you know, get get into this, and then you'll get it finished, and then you know, big lie, big delusion, you know. <laughs> You know, because it, it doesn't work like that. The, far, the, the more, it's almost the more you get into it, the more you also sort of gets attracted by that, and the more stuff seems to gravitate towards it. Mm. 
So very often it's just that awareness of all kinds of things that should and could and better be and must be and ought to be and people need and uh huh and letting go of the kind of panic and urgency in it, not dismissing the topic, but trying to actually stay in the still in the stillness within the pre- with the presence of that happening. And see if we can actually come from a a calm or measured place rather than a driven get it finished, get it done place. Then it becomes much more uh, skillful, I find. I was having a little bit of a, a warm-up the last few days with a, um, a washer, a tap in my kuti. So I was noticing this tap was dripping. So, so you first you have to stop the tap dripping. Tap dripping. So I was trying, shutting the water off, but you know, you've got to wash sometimes. So turn the water on, the tap is dripping. I tried tightening the tap up. Tighten it, tighten it, tighten it, tap still. It stopped it and then drip, drip. So I screw it a bit hard until the knuckles are going white and it's still drip, drip. So, okay. In this state, what do you do? You summon Venerable Tita Dhammo. He who knows all, cures all, fixes all comes around with his little bucket of tools four o'clock in the afternoon yes governor right okay well, I'll give you a hand well, well we, all we need to do is change the washer so I said I'm interested in this in how to change your washer I've never done that you know I think I ought to know this it's part of my spiritual education how to change your washer so he says right okay so we get the screw little, there's a little grub screw and we just unscrew this thing and then we take the tap head tap off the, 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 you know, the actual turning bit of the tap, we just take that off and then we disassemble, you know, uh, take the tap apart, put the new washer in. So we take the grub screw out and then we just take the top of the tap off. We just, it should unscrew. Well, perhaps a little tap with a hammer do it. It doesn't, does it come? It doesn't seem to. Put some oil down it. Okay. We'll put some, some penetrating oil down it. And we'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> Thus endeth the first day. <laughs> day two, Venerable Tita Dhamma, bucket in hand. Four o'clock in the afternoon, here I am reporting for duty again. We try day two. Um, we hammer, we, we kind of contemplate. And uh, we get various tools on the job. Can't quite get the span around that nut. Can't quite get the because it doesn't fit there. And goes and gets some more tools. We've got f- about 40 different sets of tools and so on. But this doesn't quite fit that nut. And I could get in there, but I haven't got my hand. And last endeth day two. <laughs> day three comes around. We get in there. Right. And uh, this day, we think we look at it, get the wrenches on it, okay, and then I have the brain wave. We've got to take the sink off the wall. <laughs> so, 
This means, you know, chipping off all the mastic, taking this, dismounting the whole sink, get the sink unit on the floor, upside down, and uh, get the spanner on and heave ho, and lo and behold, the tap comes out, and we t- toddles off with it, puts it in a vise, hammers it away, yeah, fine, comes back with it, says, now this is what you do. He's got the old washer, turns it over, that will work, put it back in and um, so then we put it back in and then we have to put mastic around the tap to seal it back in the sink we get that in and we put mastic this kind of stuff called like a putty underneath the sink so that it properly fixes to the bearings then we put mastic behind the, the sink to, uh, so it water doesn't drip down behind it and we get it all sealed and um, you know the new washers in and fine and we turn turn the water on but the tap's still dripping <laughs> I'll send this day three <laughs> and you think no wonder plumbers charge 250 quid to <laughs> change your washer I mean, this is, this is definitely a major job. You know. But fortunately now, the penalty has prevailed and the tap is now fixed. Um, though I do really find it difficult to say, but there's another tap that's got a bit of a <laughs> drip coming out. But the main thing was that during this whole escapade, we had a fine time. <laughs> we did not get in a flat, we did not really worry, we did not get anxious, we did not get upset, we didn't mind, we just enjoyed it. Because there's a sense of, uh, you know, you just set up the intent and then, you know, whether the conditions are there or not, the spanner's there or not, that's, you know, another thing. And it's sometimes it's quite, you know, when you sort of you see yourself going through this stuff and seeing yourself stymied at every turn, you begin to think, ah, oh, something's trying to teach me the Dhamma. <laughs> Something must be looking out for me. It's like this neon tube on the wall, you know, that flicks and flashes, you know. They, the amount of effort they put trying to fix that and you probably come in and think oh why don't they fix that surely it's because there must be something wrong with the tube no there must be something wrong with the wiring no there must be something wrong with the power no there's something wrong with you <laughs> I think it should work <laughs> well, I think you can understand the, the nature of conditions Sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. Because it's that's you know they have their own they have their own way. <laughs> yeah. So certainly in terms of uh, communities, you know, so I've been with twenty five or so years or so Britain and amount of you know things one's seen come and go and aspirations and 
desperations and trying to make it work, trying to set up good places for training, good places people feel fine and meditation will go well and people things will grow and so forth. And um, you know, every time the next you know the next person hits hits the dukkha or you know, gets upset or gets confused or disrobes, you think, Oh dear, I couldn't I not I'll do better next time. You know, you try that, you try that. The same thing happens. But you can't not care. But uh, recognizing, you know, there's a limit within conditions. The rest of it, mysterious. And it's not possible to know. But you can't give up. But you can't hold on. So with this you know the third um, and fourth aspects of full awareness of what's suitable. What's suitable in terms of one's meditation topic. What's the right theme? What's the theme that will give you ease if you need ease? What's the theme that will help you to investigate when, you, when that's possible, when that's required? What's the meditation topic? What's the, you know, what do you need to bring around those enlightenment factors? What are the th- what are the things that you, if you attend to them, will develop more hindrances, more regret, doubt, agitation, aversion, despair? Mm-hmm. What will generate confidence? Really, you know, con- you know, find your theme in meditation in accordance with that which is suitable for your for your welfare and benefit. Not from some ideological position that you should do this exercise and nothing but. Uh, but really, what brings around the supportive conditions? Hmm? What's suitable? And what's suitable in terms of you know one's activities and and. Uh, Livelihood and so on. I don't know. So certainly, within a few years or so of sangha life, the idea that you can have some fixed opinion about it all gets a good um, seeing to. Some things just don't seem to work for some people. And you know you can say, well, he couldn't do it, or she hasn't got it together, or is that? Or you can just say it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Then this theme is suit when it's you find giving people the space to find the theme that's suitable. Seems to be much more gracious and more humble. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to work out what suits me. I don't know what suits you. You know, these are some possibilities you can look at and find you how you fine tune it and make it uh, your own. In terms of what where you, where you can get a sense of of joy and understanding suffering. What's suitable? 
if it's too easy, it's not it's not suitable because you you don't you miss the point. Tend to snuggle down. It's too difficult. It's not suitable. You get too spe- uh, stressed and start the mind almost goes into spasms. Can't manage it. Mm. Yeah, a little bit of suffering. It's good. A little bit. Just a bit. Mm. Just enough to help. You know, remind one. And the domain, the resort, this refers to both the, if you like, the place where one lives, but, or the domain of one's meditation is in the body, or that one is able to remain within that theme as one is moving around, staying within the domain of the body, rather than running out through the eyes or the ears or into the thinking. So you like you, you establish a particular you know, domain for your meditation. Now is walking. You know, stay within the walking. Stay within the sitting. Stay within the breathing. Stay within the metta. So you, you stay within that. You have your territory. You cultivate. You know, or, or something. The domain of one's of one's conventional. You know, I'm a bhikkhu or nun, whatever and this is my territory this is what I do and this is, I don't do this stuff you know I do this bit and not that bit not, not that it's wrong but this is this is my bit and some things are, are not my territory you know. mm. and to be clear about that some places we just don't go things we don't do doesn't mean they're they're wrong, but they're not in accordance with the domain of a summoner. Certainly, for lay people, you have to, you know, the the, the boundaries are difficult to maintain. Mm. Even the idea of living within boundaries can be difficult, so, you know, because you're supposed to be all free and spontaneous and <laughs> you know whatever. But people get wrecked out there. Sense of what you do, what you don't do, where you stay, where you dwell. So you can, if you like, develop it from the most intimate domain of one's meditation theme to something much more, more you know, external, if you like. And it's important to get a sense of awareness of domain. I mean, this now, and these are the rules. This is this is what the game's about. I'm within the breathing, so it's we do this. I'm within the body, I'm within this place, and awareness of is the domain suitable? Uh, what are the rules or customs or um, energies in that domain? How do you manage it? Knowing it's all conditioned, but it's there to to. Give one a place to understand Four Noble Truths. What is suffering? What's the origin, cessation and and path? As I say, it's um, to be aware of unsatisfactoriness. It's not always pain, but unsatisfied 
incomplete, can't quite figure it, don't know what to do, um, haven't got it covered. Um, you know, we're of that sense, or a little bit more that I'd like, we're of that sense, or the direct, more, much more painful senses. Mm-hmm. Feeling hurt, feeling offended, feeling um, incapable. And some of this is, is you know, we, we almost need to see some of this in order to understand the origin. You, one can't do it in theory, like, I can understand the origin of somebody else's suffering, well, I don't have to feel it. <laughs> I can say, well, that's because of tanha, and tanha is either bhavatana, vibhavatana, karmatana, and that's it. You know. But when it's happening in one's own territory, it just doesn't feel like it, it just feels like it's me, and it hurts, and it shouldn't be that way, and uh, why, and how, and so forth. Uh, so you, you, we see that, so you can no longer be quite so um, theoretically smug about it all. Mm. <laughs> you know, you realize with compassion that, uh, you know, however conditioned it is and however non-self it is, it, well, it, don't, it, it hurts, it doesn't want it, but it happens. And, uh, and the resistance to that or the feeling that something's gone wrong because it's happening. We learn to release that. And this is to be understood. I can't understand it unless, unless it's there, but also I can't understand it if I'm just completely admired in it. There's the need to, within one's suffering, stress, is to be able to you know, not sort of lose it by trying to get out of it not lose the quality of intent in a fluster of trying to make the, even trying to make the suffering go away or feel irritated with oneself for hanging on or I shouldn't be doing it, I shouldn't be having any suffering. Mm-hmm. But just to almost stabilise the intent within that, that suffering, that stress, as this is stress. That's That's the bit, isn't it? Not I am suffering, but this is stress. This is how it feels. This is what happens to the body. The body tightens, or the nerves seem to frazzle, or the blood starts pumping, or the temperature goes up, or there's a churning in the stomach, or a, where you know this is what like the body looking at almost externally. This is the way the mind jumps and and flounders and sinks and, and spins it's like that so within that if we and it's very important to really understand this process of the Four Noble Truths it's not that you shouldn't have any suffering or attachment but those, that is a conditioned reality so the knowing of that, the non-owning of it, the non-dismissal of it, 
is where the, if you like, the tide turns. And then you come to the, you know, that intent which is, you know, which is founded in letting go, established on waking up, doesn't, is based on abandonment. And it's there. It is is here. But when we try to find something else, we lose it. When we're trying to find happiness or conviction or answers or we can we can miss that because it's like we get flustered sometimes for myself it's you know knowing knowing that and the more one in a way can conceive it the more I get impatient to realize it. I know this. I've experienced this. And I remember it. So the next time it comes, I think, oh, come on, come on. You know this, come on. You've been doing this for years. Come on, you just let go, that's all. And it doesn't do it. It's just kind of sit or walk or be in the place where I abandon myself you know the the wisdom or the knowing or whatever it is it's just like abandon that that holding on and it's rather like something that seems to just stop you know struggling and uh and for myself, a kind of sense of peace occurs, not knowing what to do, but a quality of peacefulness and uh, firmness. But I do sense it as a very, it's a humbling kind of process, because it is taking leave of one myself and my knowledge and my insights so I'd say even these things even clarity and calm knowledge and insight are very you know precious and yet, these are also known as the higher forms of defilement. So the edge of it is always that the abandonment, the letting go, and awakening. So when we let go, we don't let go in a dismissal, in a don't care, in a it's all useless. We let go with clarity and with courage and a sense of the almost inevitability and awake, witness, watch, attune to that 
what happens when your when your music stops what happens when your your um, your conditioned realities yourself can't do it watch that So all of our practices really lead up to detecting the sense of of intent within our actions, within our and the results of them. So that eventually one can let go of actions and results doesn't mean not having actions and results but let go of really um, asking too much of actions and results this is really the where you know the sense of understanding purpose domain suitability conditionality is is a very useful for covering all ways of reflecting upon how to conduct oneself in terms of dhamma. Within those, you'll be able to to develop and witness the right intent. So tonight we have a, a meditation vigil. As I say, the community this morning is a like a little offering, if you like, where we try to contribute to generating a certain sense of collectedness and calm and refuge, um, presence of, of vigilance into the night. So there's a sense of we, we hold this up. This is what we can do. Mm. We can hold up quality of right intent and resolve, patience, persistence. And we can hold this up. Mm. And uh, feel this is really um, something so important to stand for truth and purity and resolve when we see so many signs of, of distress and um, violence happening in the world and you know you're thinking about this, these terrible events in Spain recently 200 people blown up and uh, by some kind of crazy people with bombs you know and everybody this whole country has just to stop and what do you do with that you don't know why where it came from who did it why why me why my cousin why my father why my wife got blown up you know your mind just it's to stop you just don't know conditionality 
but all you know is that don't rely upon it don't get fooled by it don't get seduced by it but hold up the intent to penetrate the movements and persuasions and disappointments and sorrows of the mind this is really what you can do the only thing we can do actually the rest of it who knows whether you can do it or not but this is what we can do Thank mm-hmm. you.